Dear Dr. Brown, on the night that I go back in time, you will be shot by terrorists. Please take whatever precautions are necessary to prevent this terrible disaster. Your friend, Marty. Doc! 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 What? Doc! What? Doc! Ah! Okay, relax, Doc. It's me! It's me! It's Marty! No, it can't be. I just sent you back to the future. Oh, I know you did send me back to the future, but I'm back! I'm back from the future! <laughs> Great. Great Scott! What's with the wire? You'll find out in 30 years. Hello and welcome back to the future. It's Wednesday, October 21st, 2015. I'm Douglas Bowles, and this is 42 Minutes, a production of SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. You can find our archives at 42minutes.com, and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. Today, we hope to touch film and imminentize transcendence. Yes, and we will do so from the abyss, on a wire between the twins. Hello, Alan Green here, subbing in for Will Morgan. And today, for 42 Minutes, we again are going back to the future with our very good friend, Joe Alexander, the barely human media mogul behind Apophenia Productions. You can hear him on 42 Minutes episodes 15, 48, 50, 82, 109, and bonus 16. The latest incarnation of his 9-11 Back to the Future video incorporates the incredible Marty McFly in The Walk Revelation. Check it out at Barely Human 11 on YouTube. It's always a pleasure to have Joe on the program. How are you doing, Joe? Great, guys. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. You bet. So, you made a new video, but you named it the same as the old video. True, true, I did. Yeah, my old video didn't quite have the tone that I wanted. Did we lose you? Did you lose me? And I hear you, Doug. I, Joe, Joe's gone. Joe's silent. All right. I'm back. Cool. You're back from the future, or? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but so you, you were saying that the video didn't have the tone that you wanted. Right. It was, uh, sometimes when you try to make a movie, you just miss the mark, and uh, a lot of people were interpreting my last one as being a parody, which I didn't want for that to be the lasting sort of uh, impression that people got from this whole Back to the Future sync thread. So I, I wanted to make sure that it was clear. It's interesting, though, because by doing that, you reached a lot of people and actually became part of pop consciousness. Yeah, there definitely was a benefit to having it be sort of like gamey and jokey because I think people were more apt to share it when they weren't sure if it was serious or not because that way they could kind of share it as almost like an office joke kind of a thing. Uh, like if they thought I was joking, then maybe it was appropriate to share the material with their friends because they would think they were joking. So that did have a, a positive effect, I think. So there's a certain amount of, you know, uh, intellectual, I don't know, elitism as well as uh, trepidation for any taboo subjects that they can only be handled if it's a ha-ha-ha, isn't this funny? I'm curious uh, as you said, you didn't intend for it to be a parody. Where do you stand on, <clears throat> I don't know how to say, uh, how much 
do you believe this is truth or, or uh, you know, how much conviction did you have in this, in this message? Well, not much, really. And I think that in that way, most of what I do is a parody. And I think that a lot of what we do as, gr- as a group is a parody, but not in the way that we completely dismiss our work. We all have a certain skepticism of all of the threads that we create. And so in that sense, we're not taking it very seriously. So I don't think that everyone was completely off base by saying that I was making a parody because I was making something that I, I didn't completely subscribe to, and I still don't. Maybe I wasn't as uh, dismissive of it as, as people were being of my last video, but uh, I, I still certainly don't take what I'm writing. What I'm writing is gospel. I, I'm, again, just speculating. You know, I'm not actually saying Back to the Future did predict 9-11 uh, at a conscious level. That I don't actually believe. Right, but the, what's so fascinating is by, I mean, because you reach so many people, the, the the content of the video, regardless whether or not it was a, a you know parody or not, is there, and so it reached them. Totally, I do feel that the the threads in it are very strong, and and that even people not familiar with sync material are definitely connecting to it. And and that is why I wanted to make the video in the first place, which was because I thought that I had a piece here that uh, I could share. And and that's kind of why I make the videos is because it's an aspect of my sync life that I can share with other people. Whereas the majority of it is, you know, as obscure and personal as, as dreams, which is, you can't really share that with other people. Okay, so now by naming it, so the new video has the same name, is that right? Exactly. Yeah, that's right. And so, how many how many views did you get of the the uh, the you're calling it the beta version now? That one is resting at about half a million right now. Okay, and then so does the new version. I'm sorry, does the new version still have Illuminati in the title? No, it doesn't. Okay. See, I feel like that's an important distinction when we're saying it's still titled the same way. Because don't you, I feel oh, like you're that right. was you're, a, exactly yeah. Uh, so go ahead. So the the new video, wh- uh, where are we sort of looking at on views wise? Uh, right now, it's at half the time of the last one. It's at about half a million. So it's wow, definitely okay. doing better. Yeah, it's doing better without the Illuminati moniker in the title. Oh wow! Which is yeah, that's kind of what I wanted. Uh, I didn't want to have this be an, another incidence of me capitalizing on people who are obsessed with conspiracies, you know, only viewing it for that reason. Uh, and in all fairness, though, do you think do you think using the word Illuminati in the first video gave enough momentum for the second one? Like, I guess I'm saying is, do you think it would have been viewed that now when you do the updated version, people are, oh, it's already in pop consciousness that people are going to accept it. Um, you know, I'm not trying right. to take away from what you did. I'm just sort of asking in a very legitimate, you know, if we really uh, look at this, do, do you regret using the word Illuminati or did it, did it actually help Open push the, door. the thing along? Right. Yeah, I, I can't say for sure. But a concern of mine, and I do believe that this is the case, was that the first one that I released 
was not really accessible and believable for most people that watched it. And I knew that because of the feedback I was getting. So I thought that I kind of damaged the brand with it. And so I, I thought that that hurt the momentum of the second one that I've released. And, and it could be the opposite. That is possible too. But, but I do feel that uh, using the word Illuminati and branding the whole Back to the Future 9-11 thing with this heavy conspiratorial tone kind of damaged it and prevented people from opening the second one when they'd already seen or heard about the first one. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, obviously, I hope everyone has seen, uh, actually, honestly, I hope people have seen both versions because I think there's value in, in each. But uh, give us a little uh, idea of what is in the updated version and how it incorporates into the movie The Wire. It's not right. called The Wire, though. That's what's so funny is because I keep doing that, too, Alan. It's called The Walk. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Well, it's become a movie that is about the relationship between the audience and film, um, which is what I wanted because I wanted to have something a little deeper than just 9-11-based um, conspiratorial type content. But beyond that and on the surface, it's about uh, how there's Back to the Future clues in um, – I'm sorry, 9-11 clues in Back to the Future and also in The Walk – and uh, with specific dates being outlined, so like 30 years transpiring between the issuing of a terrorist warning and the playing out of it, uh, there's characters that appear in the date of the Twin Towers movie that also appear in the incidents of a tower being struck down in Back to the Future, where there's uh, a giant flaming 9-11 sigil that appears. Um, there's evidence that... Uh, terrorist attack which takes place uh, at a scene labeled twin is uh, symbolic of the twin towers themselves because later the the twins actually turn into the twin towers in back to the future so there's a lot of elements that are in my opinion eerily unexplainable uh, you know i've been familiar with them now for for many many months and you know they still give me chills so uh, it's pretty compelling so when I talk about pop consciousness, you know, it's it, I'm not I'm not trying to flatter you. So it's funny. There was like on the same day, two separate occasions, people mentioned, "Did you hear about this?" You know, people outside of our community in my in my normal you know daily life, and they're bringing this up. And one of the reasons why I think is because the Onion wrote about it. They linked to your video. Right. Right. But then. Now, let me read this to you, Joe. It says, Dear Robert Zemeckis, Today, I love your work more than ever before. Since early childhood, my family gathered around the VCR to connect, laugh, and live through your films. In the pantheon of great directors, you sit as my personal favorite. Even objectively, no one could deny that you are among the best to ever assume the craft. It is no matter of chance that Back to the Future has carved out a nest of hundred, in hundreds of millions of human hearts and minds. The film is magic, whether by attuned skills or conduit channeling, your own hands and efforts have infused this trilogy with enchanted substance and undertones. My expose of these depths also seeks to emulate this practice. 
The obscured subtexts are what comprise the enduring qualities of ideas, products, people, and art. With over half a century of cinematic success and continually compelling audiences to return for more, Back to the Future is without a question cut from this rich cloth. Whatever inspiring forces worked through and with you on this project, I'm certain of both their cunning and benevolence. It is my intention to inspire audiences to gaze with wonder into the archetypal subcontextual fabric of your films. Perhaps in the process you will join them with fresh eyes in coming to know and understand why your work has wielded such profound magic over so many minds for so long. Apophenia Productions. Do you think so? Clearly, you've reached the world with your work. Have you reached Robert Zemeckis? I can't imagine that no one has shown him this video up until now, or at least other members of the crew, uh, have, you know, have seen it. He hasn't contacted me, and nobody's indicated to me that he has definitely seen it. But I think that he has. Because it seems like the theme right now, as we're you know in the midst of Back to the Future Day, is what what things did back to the future predict right well you know with him having a, a huge big budget movie coming out about the twin towers i guarantee you there's a little bit of sensitivity surrounding him and his pr people about its association with 9-11 and also with the whole you know back to the future uh cast reuniting and they're doing like a world tour i just can't imagine that anyone didn't bring this up you know, as a PR, uh, potential PR nightmare. So I would assume that at least a few people in his very close inner circle of business associates sat down and watched this and informed him what it, what it said. Uh, I just think from a business standpoint, it would make sense for, for them to be concerned about it. Did you, have you happened to see the walk yet? I haven't because I'm overseas and it won't come out here for a few weeks, but I'm dying to see it. Huh. Yeah. Well, I went and saw it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm jealous. Yeah. It. I don't like heights. Mm. And then the whole time you're thinking this isn't real, right? This is all blue screen magic or green screen magic or whatever. But then, you know, it's like I don't want to believe that this really happened. But it really did. It really did. This goofy right. French guy walked between the Twin Towers on a wire. Yeah, it was the crime of the century, as he called it. Right. You know, my girlfriend saw it, and she was indicating to me how strange it was that the entire film portrayed this event as like as a coup, basically, or these people uh, illegally infiltrating the building, spending time on a, a top floor of the building, Um you know, connecting wires, coming up with their plan. And she said it did feel very much like a terrorist attack on the World Trade Center. Yes. And strangely enough, and like I said earlier, Zemeckis should have had some sensitivity about the 9-11 connection with the, with the towers and making this film. Why did he incorporate into the movie and into the trailer an airport security scene where uh, Felipe had what looked very much like a bomb? I mean, why would that be in the trailer for the walk? He, he walks through airport security and they ask him, what are you doing? And he says, oh, I'm heading straight to the World Trade Center. And by the way, I have something that looks like a bomb. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm dying to see it as well. It seems like there's only one moment that acknowledges. So that's what's so bizarre. I mean, the whole movie, you're he's narrating it 
from the, the flame atop the Statue of Liberty. So you're looking at the, the twins. Like the whole time he's talking about this, Philippe is talking about this thing, and then you're in the thing, and then he's back on the Statue of Liberty narrating the thing. But So you're just so focused on these two buildings, and it was so interesting because of my work, my early sync work. I was so in that that I had already been there. I've done, you know, like I... I had I you know did all the research and knew about it, but yeah, it it was kind of surreal because it's not until the end that you acknowledge there's only just one moment that says, "Oh yeah, this other thing happened too." Oh, they acknowledge it in the movie. Just just barely. Amazing. Yeah, it's funny to have these symbols that we attribute so much significance to in human consciousness, you know, suddenly displayed on the big screen. And, uh, you know, once again, just like always, nobody really uh, contributes, nobody ascribes any significance to it, but obviously we do. And with that in mind, the sheer fact that this stuff is playing in cinemas throughout the world now, you know, must have some kind of cognitive, like revisiting of everyone. Uh, putting their mind back onto ground zero, you know, in some heavy capacity. So I wonder what type of uh, effects that has with everybody collectively participating. Yeah. I mean, so I don't know. There's something so superhuman about what he does, the actual thing that he does, but I'm trying to understand it from, you know, like a, a metaphor. What is it about this that just captivates us? You know, like to connect these two things, like these, and so the archetype too, you know, so it is the tower. It's the God-struck tower that collapses. It's card number 16. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, beautifully simple. It's, you know, the, the two uh, opposing forces of strength and severity, and then what we all basically spend our entire existence doing, which is trying to balance between them. You know, standing on a wire between uh, between strength and mercy, and, and and trying trying to balance. It's as simple as that. And somehow our, our minds recognize what he's doing as a perfect metaphor for everything that that we do in our own lives. And people's obsession with what he did, I don't think, warrants what he actually did. Uh, you know, who? I mean, not that it doesn't. Not that it isn't amazing, but who really cares about high wire acts and and why would it ever justify a major Hollywood production? It doesn't, as far as how that type of art is is typically appreciated in you know our culture. So I do think that it has more of a draw simply because of of the two towers and their symbol symbolism in our subconscious. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting you say and you point out that you know the. The high wire act in itself has become, I don't know, you know, boring to to modern audiences, right? Um, if someone tomorrow were to go do something like that, we wouldn't go flock out into the street to go watch them. We wouldn't sit on the news, you know, we wouldn't sit glued to the to the television to watch it. Right. An actual person doing it, um, but the idea of sort of playing it up for Hollywood, the idea that, as you said, it's it's done as the crime of the century or um, almost like a, a caper, right? Like this is a caper movie. Um, you know, there's the dramatization 
of that. But as you say, if we're looking at this from a symbolic fashion of what does it really mean to try and balance these things, um, I'm sort of curious, as you've attempted to clarify your point of what these videos uh, are showing and what you know what you said okay you've got a lot of people to watch your video but they were maybe misinterpreting it what do you feel like is the message that you were trying to get across well my message is generally uh just part of a greater intellectual practice of trying to dissolve the normal ways that you look at the world and then trying to introduce um, new habits uh, of pattern recognition. So I don't know, I don't think I had a, a clear message about, you know, for example, balancing strong opposing forces in your life or, you know, anything really profound of that nature. You know, it was, mine was more about uh, just what sync has always done, which is try to teach people to break through their, their current paradigms and current thought prisms, prisons, I'm sorry. And so that, that was really the main function of it. So then, I mean, awareness. Like that's that's the, the thing that you do, the connective thing. So the mind-blowing thing about the, the Back to the Future predicts 9-11 video is that, that <laughs> in Back to the Future 3, they're watching this movie about the towers falling down in Back to the Future 3. And you... you two. It's two? Two, sorry. It's two? Yeah, two. Okay. Yeah. And so the towers are falling, but it's taking place in October of 2015. Right. 30 years later, right? Or, yeah. And then... Yeah, yeah. In October of 2015, there is a Robert Zemeckis film about the towers. On, I mean, so like, all right, that's weird. Do you think he consciously did that? And then to lay on top of that, when when Philip Philippe shows up, he's wearing a leather jacket and a red shirt, exactly like what Marty shows up in in 2015. Yeah, well, the whole towers appearing in Back to the Future in the first place um, that, that was actually something Alan spotted uh, a long time back. Um, I had been investigating back to the future of nine 11 before I even knew that the towers were in there. Then Alan pointed it out. And then that sort of started this whole thread for me. But, and now that I think about it, the statue of Liberty is in that same. Place. I was just going to say, yeah, it's, it's actually shot from yeah. this. So I haven't seen the, the walk yet, but if you're saying that the movie is set from the view of atop the Liberty's flame, then, Joe, I thought that was an amazing connection. You point out that actually you could see in the very foreground this Statue of Liberty torch. So it would essentially be shot from that same perspective. It is. Right, right. And in, in my film, I'm saying that this movie on the screen is actually The Walk because it's being released in Back to the Future on the same date that The Walk is being released in real life. So that's exactly right. So if Philippe is sitting on the Statue of Liberty watching it, then that's kind of what the McFly family is doing as well. 
Yeah, right. it's pretty pretty compelling. But that whole idea that the towers appear in Back to the Future, and then it tells us that we'll find out 30 years later, and 30 years later Zemeckis makes the Twin Towers film that he put in Back to the Future, really restarts you know my engines about uh, like just stuff that Jake Kotze says constantly, or used to say, and now we all say about like the nature of coincidence. And it's always funny to me to read feedback about my video and have people shrug off this stuff as coincidence because I feel like that is one of those elements that should make most people stop and think, if this is coincidence, then what is coincidence? <laughs> what is it really? Is it something worthy of dismissing? Because if Zemeckis had no conscious part in any of this, if nobody had any conscious part in any of this, I still cannot manage to shrug this off and say that it's meaningless the fact that the towers are in the movie in the background and Zemeckis makes the towers film uh, 30 years later. With all the details that you find in the, in the trilogy too. Yeah. Like the, the theme, the plot of the walk is in back to the future. It's it. Right. While they're, while they're enacting the plot, they say that you'll find out what's going on here in 30 years. So you're, you're talking you about date. from Back to the Future One when he's when Doc is taking that wire and stringing it across, right? Literally, Doc comes down a wire from the clock tower, following the path of the lightning, right? He's up there and he, he pays off the cop and is sneaking. Or again, it's a caper where he's trying to pull off this stunt with a fucking wire on the building. Yeah, it's not something that they easily execute either. If you go back and watch it in its entirety, it plays out exactly like what Philippe is doing at the Twin Towers. You know, they they plan this for week. I'm sorry, they plan this for a week. They go through a lot of painstaking efforts to to bring this wire up and and fasten it, and then it gets torn down. Um, they have all this turmoil with finalizing it. Eventually, Doc does um, you know zip line across the wire very similar to the walk. So it's not like it just happens in the background. It's a major, major plot element. And during that time is when he tells you that you'll, you'll understand it in 30 years, which is the release of the walk. Huh. But then do you think like now I'm wondering if maybe that walk had made such an impression on Zemeckis that like he took that and put it into back to the future. It's very possible, you know, because there's a Philippe movie that was released in uh, 1984 called uh, High Wire, and it's about him uh, doing a, a tightrope walk at a cathedral. And so it's very possible that Robert Zemeckis was watching that High Wire movie at the same time he was producing or designing the scenes for Back to the Future. But it's funny because when I came out of the walk, like my brain didn't want... I, I, could, I didn't want it to be real. I wanted it to be a movie. That made it okay. I mean, it really is something to imagine him out there on that wire. Like, I don't know why I keep coming back to that, but I, I, I do. Right. Well, you know, we're, we're guys who are always looking at these sort of fictional worlds and how do they apply to real life and what do they tell us about reality. And here's someone who's fully engaged with reality. You know, we have The Matrix where he's got a go between the two buildings, right? And it's like, do you believe you can make it? And he falls to his doom, you know, that whole that whole scene that plays out in The Matrix. I mean, this is basically the same thing, only not a fictional shit on a screen, 
here's somebody who's taking his life into his hands and saying, I'm going to make this happen, fully embodied, fully embracing the the consequences of this reality uh, at its at its most, I don't know, physical form. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. It's pretty astounding. Yeah. Yeah, it's very astounding. I, I wish I could see the film so I could feel the true impact of what he did. Well, I, again, am afraid of heights for some reason at this point in my life. I squirmed the whole time, just squirmed. I was in my seat, oh, all hunched over, and then I go to one other side, and I just, you know, he just kept doing it. It was out there on the wire, going back and forth. How much time in the movie do they spend? I don't think this is really a spoiler. I, I haven't seen it either. So, I, like, how much is the is the walk the climax of the film, or do they spend a good deal of the film in the event? Like, how? Well, this is it's so silly because this is what Zemeckis does so well. You know that the good guys are always going to win in his movies, but it always is so dramatic and right. you, you you are doubting every second so like that scene i like when i when i try to explain to people it's like back to the future you know they're, they're trying to get the wire up and then it breaks and then they ha- you know it's like everything has to come together at the very last possible second and you're just biting your nails wondering if it's going to work but you know it's going to work like in, in this film <laughs> right you know that he doesn't die that would be such a different movie <laughs> Right. So and since it's, it's a historical movie, we know he didn't die. Right. But you're still it's still you're still not sure if he's going to make it, and that's what he does so well. Joe, I, I want to ask you a sort of weird question before we get run too well on time. Very silly, and I could probably find the answer somewhere else. But um, Doug sent me this screenshot of your letter to Robert Zemeckis. And it's on a fairly dark background, and there's a figure there. What is this shot, and is, was there a significance to putting the text over this image? Yeah, it's an image from I Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. So, <laughs> is, is the implication simply that I know what you did there, or are you implying, even though you're using the words benevolence are you implying the possibility of something sinister still well visual Q had brought up a really interesting point to me which was that the initial version of my video had completely absolved zemeckis and the filmmakers of responsibility as far as being conscious participators in predicting 9-11 through back to the future and he said wouldn't it be a shame if they actually did and they watched your film thinking, this guy was so close to hitting the mark, but he thought that it was some unconscious phenomenon, and he you know, didn't take the step necessary to implicate us. So since I am also balancing you know, the wire of not deciding whether they did it consciously or not, I decided to throw in that and a few other tidbits about the fact that you guys actually did do this, and I know you did, and I'm on to you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. Were you part of that conversation when we – was it – there's a really strange film out there. Is it called Highway 55? Interstate 60. Interstate 60. Does Zemeckis have anything to do with that? I'm not sure if he does, but it 
the film is so steeped in Back to the Future like characters and just things that remind you of the film because well, it's Bob Gale that wrote Interstate 60. So, but that film Init- is just, just so trippy. Yeah. Initial, re- I just Googled it, initial release date, September 10th, 2003. Right, right. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I saw you post on Facebook the other day. You were ch- So here's something. We're, we're, we're in 2015. The Cubs may or may not make it to the World Series. But, you know, these are when people are talking about all the things that Back to the Future predicted. So everyone's sort of on this, and we're seeing these things come to a head. And you said, if the Cubs actually were to win the World Series, would everyone, first off, wouldn't everyone at that point have to admit that Back to the Future was a real movie uh, or a true story, excuse me, and then the the other comment you said is the more you watch Interstate 60, the more you sort of feel that way. So can you elaborate a little bit on those thoughts? Yeah. Well, obviously in sync, we play with the most absurd ideas and we entertain them. And one of the ones that I entertain very constantly is that maybe Back to the Future was a true story. Why not? You know, every time that someone confronts me about anything controversial like uh the presence of extraterrestrials, for example, the conversation always goes something like, well, if there were, then we would have evidence of it. We would have video footage. And I say, well, how can you say there's no video footage if every time you see footage, you say it's fake? And I'm just one of these people who watches time travel movies and I connect with the time traveler when nobody believes them about anything they say. And thus, Time travel is obviously impossible. You know, it's not possible if every time you talk about it, nobody believes you. And I thought maybe, you know, why, why couldn't Back to the Future be one of those instances? You know, maybe the space between the Twin Towers is some kind of trans-dimensional portal, you know, like, like sync guys have been playing with for a long time. And if that were the case, then I would think that Bob Gale and potentially Robert Zemeckis would be the ones who would know about it. And when you watch Interstate 60... I mean, it looks like it was made by, you know, Rodney Asher or, or someone who's been studying sync for the last 20 years. It has all the symbology, all of all of the elements that your consciousness is creating reality and that that consciousness is an extension of the universe's consciousness, which is sending you signs and signals, um, you know, on, on billboards and, and in corporate logos and in small hidden symbols uh, in every corner of your world. And for that movie to also be made by the person who made Back to the Future was, was kind of tripping me out. And, and the fact that Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox are in that film was, was also quite a trip. And it was, like you said, released on September 10th. The title, Back to the Future, is on the front of it. It's uh, pretty epic. Uh, even he says here, uh, one of the I'm just, uh, um, plot And I do remember seeing this movie, but I don't remember it nearly as well. I'm just trying to refresh, and it says, Shortly after getting out of the hospital, more strange happenings occur around Neil. At a Chinese restaurant, his fortune cookie reads, uh, October 15th, are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) That was tripping me out because I hadn't watched the movie in quite a while, and then I was watching it a few days before October 15th when I had something big that was going to happen. And But again, this movie really talks about you know the protagonists being influenced by symbols that are appearing in their world that nobody else can see they're they're subjective to them but they're also a product of you know almost the universe's conscious interaction with them and their intentions you know their goals and dreams and what they want to do in the world um, become symbols that manifest around them and kind of guide them on their way 
that's a pretty heavy concept that definitely integrates with sync. Do you follow politics, Joe? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, I do. Do you think we might have a Trump tower? It's definitely, I mean, it looks very possible. I mean, if he's the leader, you know, for the GOP right now, then it's obviously in the cards. And if that does happen and the Cubs win the World Series, then Back to the Future is by far the trippiest and it's the Nostradamus of Hollywood productions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even without that stuff being solidified, like even if Trump's not president, even if the Cubs don't totally win, I mean, it's still really, really trippy. You know, the right to come this close. Right. When was the last time the Cubs even came this close to the World Series? Let alone, like you said, they don't, even if they don't make it, that's pretty fucking incredible. Very incredible. And the whole Trump thread that non sync community members have picked up in, in the world about. Trump being present in Back to the Future as Biff, and there's also heavy like themes of uh, political elections that go on in Back to the Future. So it's pretty predictive. Oh, yeah. I mean, awesome. I'm a, to be honest with you, I would not be shocked if Bob Gale came out and said, "Guys, I'm a time traveler." These predictions were stuff that I actually saw. <laughs> <laughs> I said I wouldn't be shocked, but that, that, I wouldn't bet on it either. They, we did a show with a guy. Who was obsessed with Twin Peaks? Yeah, and he he investigated every aspect of it to the point where he's more intimate. He knows it more than the people that were in it because they only saw their perspective. They don't they didn't see the whole thing. And now he is like like that was the thing that blew my mind. After I was done, I realized you know it better than almost anyone you know other than like David Lynch. Because, right. right. So you have the director's view in some respects. You're that guy, Joe. Well, you know, I also have it viewed from a very warped and strange perspective also. That was kind of what I meant in that letter to Zemeckis, which was there's other ways to see your film that maybe you have missed out on because your perspective as director doesn't allow you to maybe get in the little you know, nooks and, and crannies that weirdos get to see your films from. But maybe we are onto stuff and maybe you would like to see exactly what it is. Actually, you know what? I wrote that filmmaker who made Back in Time, the documentary that's coming out about Back to the Future. And I basically said the same thing to him, which I said, you know, people who love Back to the Future because they're fans or even people who are in the movie, they don't know everything about the film that makes it so appealing to audiences and that there's some kind of uh, subconscious current that makes films uh, connect with audiences. So to just say, well, maybe films love the, Del- maybe people love the DeLorean, you know, that, that's not enough. There's something more magical going on. And I'm part of a community that is studying and, and touching those topics and back to the future is, is heavy in our, in our research and you should check it out. So have you actually, did you just send him an email or have you actually been in contact with him? I sent him an email and he got back to me pretty quickly and we talked a few times, but he, he wasn't like eager to investigate. Gotcha. So it ended there. Yeah. Do you know when that documentary comes out? Yeah. October 21st. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. 
I hope that like the hoopla surrounding this film doesn't kind of die off after that specific date passes. I, I mean, the fact that we're even talking about, I mean, the fact that I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I think, I think definitely it's in the news. It's, it's in, it's in the, as, as Doug was saying, it's in the pop consciousness right now. It's definitely, we're all leading up to this date, but I don't think um, the legacy of Back to the Future is going anywhere. Right. Right. I also, I just, I also can't wait as like a sync researcher to watch people try to understand what made Back to the Future so powerful and just completely miss the mark. Like, even though we as a community talk about really outlandish theories, we do touch on the idea that people connect with movies for deeper reasons and that to understand those reasons, you really need to sit and talk and dissect symbols and archetypes. And, uh, in the coming weeks, people are going to start having those conversations about back to the future on a very unfortunately superficial level. And it'll definitely make me appreciate the work that we all do. Do I take that to mean that when you say, you know, people talking about this in a superficial level, you, your pro, uh, you, you know, you say you, you've definitely invested all this time and attention to it because it was something you loved as a fan. But then, do I take that to mean the sort of pure fandom of, um, you know, the different memes around face, uh, you know, around Facebook or all the little things of, of the little Back to the Future nuggets of of pop culture? don't do anything for you? Um, I think they don't do anything for me because I realize the deeper symbolism involved. Like Doug was saying that when he watched The Walk and he was trying to understand, you know, the symbol, symbology of the tower and just what it means and the fact that it has deeper implications, um, you know, having those types of revelations about a film, I guess, makes you kind of, you know, stick your nose up to people who are like, there's a shiny car in it, and that's what makes people love it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, that somehow these things actually connect to the, to the depth, the, like this, yeah. I guess it's, like, it's just like when you love anything in life, like, you know, you fall in love with another person, and then you see all the great virtues that they have and the ways that that reflects your own virtues and how for that reason you're, you know, tied to them on some deeper level. And then someone else would could come along and say, well, you know, so-and-so is pretty. <laughs> You'd be like, well, that has nothing to do with, with, with the connection that they're creating with people. There's, there's something deeper going on here. And it's, I, the reason I bring it up is because it's a shame to see that deep, magic that back to the future clearly has be lost on so many people and at the same time i'm appreciative that we have a community that is aware of that magic that's going on well that was 42 minutes thank you for sharing it with us joe uh, there's nothing else i would rather be doing You've been listening to Joe Alexander on 42 Minutes, a production of SyncBook Radio on thesyncbook.com. Joe's work can be found at youtube.com slash user slash barelyhuman11. For more information about the SyncBook, our guests, check out past shows, or to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes. 
please be sure and visit our website at thesyncbook.com. Thanks so much. Stop. And the carrots are cooked. <laughs>